it's not that often that we find Chazal leveling criticism at one of the obvious. We understand the obvious one such a superlative degree of Kedusha, of Shlemus of perfection, that we don't begin to understand them. And therefore, we definitely aren't entitled to pass judgments or criticize what they did. And yet Chazal heard Ruch HaKodesh on very few occasions actually take issue with something we find in the Torah that the Ovis did. And we went to understand that not that they were entitled to criticize the Ovis, but more importantly that it's meant to be a lesson to us. And definitely the series is talking about Chinuch. So one of the most striking examples of this is the Gemara in Shabbos and the Piyod. The Gemara says a person should never show favoritism to one of his children because of the extra, so to speak, the extra material that Yaakov invested in Yosef's coat more than he had given to his other sons, Exodus Passim. That was Goram, the jealousy that the brothers felt to Yosef. And that served as a starting factor. And what eventually snowballed into the going down to Mitzrayim. Yosef being sold. And eventually the whole Jewish people following him into a gospel goddess in Egypt. Now we need to understand that obviously the point wasn't the extra, so to speak, Chashivas that Yosef's coat had. Where the passive means it had stripes, the passive means it had a lining or an extra uh, sleeve or whatever it is that was more Chashiv than the other brothers were given. We don't think that the Shvatim, so to speak, were that involved in their apparel and what they were wearing, but the fact that Yosef's coat was more stylish would make such a difference to them. Rather, what it signaled to them was that Yosef was more favored by Yaakov over them. And therefore, they saw this as a sign, so to speak, that Yosef was going to be given the entire spiritual legacy of Yaakov at their expense. Obviously, we don't think it was Yaakov's intention. He understood that all the Shvatim had a part to play as part of Klai Yisrael. But nevertheless, the fact that they perceived it as a threat to their being part of the Jewish people, the fact that they saw it as Yaakov showing them that he was superior, that Yosef was superior to them, caused the rift, caused the jealousy, which eventually caused the goddess. And this is a lesson which Chazal is telling us fast to learn. A person should never do that. Let's explore this a bit more. You know, we look at nearly any incident in life, we look at nearly any occasion in the Torah, and we see there are always two sides to a story. There's always the one who's successful, the one who's given victory, and we can celebrate the pride or the 
happiness which comes with the success. But at the same time, if there's a winner, there's a loser. And for the person who's victorious or successful, then there's also the other person who's lost, who's unsuccessful. So yes, on the one hand, there's the rejoicing of the winner, but on the other hand, there's the mourning of the loser. Let's bring this out with a story in the Torah. And uh, let's focus on this for a second. Let's try and understand it. We know that Yaakov marries Rachel, Yaakov marries Leah. We know that a few months after they married, Leah gives birth to her son. To Reuven. Let's picture for a moment we were sitting at Reuven's breast. Leia, of course, delighted, her first child. It's a sign that she has a connection with Yaakov. Yaakov, I'm sure, was delighted too. It's also his son. It's the first chance he can do the midst of Rismila. So yes, it was a tremendous simcha. And let's imagine for a, few, for a moment how Rachel was feeling. Sure, she was happy for her sister. But with the happiness came a little bit of a pain that my sister has a child and I'm not even pregnant. And now let's fast forward another nine months and now Shimon's born. Once again, how's Leah feeling? How's Yaakov feeling? And how's Rachel feeling? And the same thing with Levi and the same with Yehuda. Yes, they're both Imas. They're both Yaakov's wives. How's Yaakov meant to feel? It's his simcha. It's another child of his. So of course it's a tremendous simcha. On the other hand, how does Rachel feel? So here we see an example of how one person's success, happiness, even though no one did anything wrong, even though no one's at fault, but one person's success is someone else feels it's not. This is one example. The same would apply when two people are competing for a position. So one is Matzliach, he gets appointed. And it comes at the expense of someone else. And I say the famous story of the Beit Levi. He was a rabbi one time at Slatsk. And they invited him to be the rabbi of Brisk, a much bigger place. Much more established Makam Torah. And he was debating whether to go. And the delegation which came to invite him, to convince him to be the Rav, eventually said, Rabbeinu, there are 20,000 Jews waiting for you. How can you turn them down? And when he heard that 20,000 Jews waiting for him, he said, You have to go. He took his hat and his coat and he left with them to go to Brisk. Now we see the story again from one perspective. We see it from the perspective of the Jews of Brisk who were ecstatic to have a new Rav, especially Rav of the statue of the Basilevi. But think of the Jews of the town where he left. I'm sure they were terribly disappointed to lose their Rav. So yes, on the one hand, there's a winner, but there's also a loser. If one side is victorious, 
and the other side is suffering. Imagine you make a competition. Whoever knows something, whoever gets the right answer, whoever finishes something first. So here you have one winner and lots of losers. And of course, the one is happy to win. It's the pride of winning. It's the reward that he deserves. And maybe he deserves it. He did put in the work. He did achieve what he was meant to achieve. But with one winner, everyone else is a loser. Now, we could say that's the nature of the world. There's never a time of Simcha when everybody's happy. Let's ask the question. And to ask the question, I first want to tell you a story. Stories of Rebchatskel Abramsky. In his later years, he moved from England to Eretz Yisrael, where he became the Nazi of the Valley Yeshivas. Rebchatskel was a man of tremendous dignity, he had a very commanding presence. And one Shabbos afternoon, he was walking to Shul for Mincha, surrounded by his Talmudim, discussing learning with him. On the way, he sees a little girl sitting on the sidewalk and crying. So he interrupts the discussion, and he bends down to her, and he says to the little girl, why are you crying? So with all her childhood innocence, she looks up at him and says, because Shani said that my Shabbos dress isn't nice. A fight of little girls. And in all seriousness, Haskell Abramsky says to his little girl, he says, go and tell Shani that Rav Abramsky was the half-basin of England and is a Nazi of the Vare Yeshivas, says your Shabbos dress is nice. So, she's been vindicated, she runs off happily. And Chaskol resumes the walk with his Talmudim. And one of them can't contain himself. This is Rabbein, you explained to us. What's so important about the fact that we're little girls that you have to get involved in it? Maybe it's beneath your coronavirus, beneath your stature. And Chaskol Abramsi answers, and he says, the Pasuk says in the future, Macha Hashem Aleikim Dima Me'al Kol Panim. In the future, Hashem will wipe the tears of every face. So Hashem doesn't differentiate between why the person is crying. But any face that there's tears on, Hashem will clear of those tears. Is so that the case? Even if it's the tears of a little girl, it's possible to stop her crying. That's also a big thing. Okay. So maybe you've learned a lesson in this. But let's ask the question on the principle. How is such a thing possible? How can Hashem create a situation where He'll wipe the tears of every face? Is it not the nature of the world that the very things which cause one person happiness will cause another person pain? That's not the way the world runs. And there's always a balance between winners and losers. Balance between those who have and those who don't have. How is it possible to create a Matthias where everybody is happy? Think. Other times in Tanakh we talk a tremendous celebration. And you'll see that it's true. What the person celebrating was a tremendous celebration. But there was also the other side. And for them it was exactly the opposite. Let's look at two examples in the Torah. The day that Yitzhak Avinu was born. 
Vataymer Sara. Schoik Asari Elekim. Sara said, Hashem had a time of happiness for me, a time of laughter. Kala Shemei Yitzachak Whoever hears the good news, Sara the baby will be happy with me. So yes, it's a tremendous simcha, it's a tremendous happiness. Avraham Avinu throws a big party later on. Everybody comes to join in, to participate. So we could see this as being a sign of simcha. Until we think for a second, how did Hagar feel? Until now she was the only one who had a son of Avraham. It made her feel valued. But now that Sarah had a son as well, so Hagar was relegated to her status as the maidservant which Avraham could throw out. As much as Yitzchak's birth was a simcha, it's unlikely that it was a simcha for Hagar. Let's think of another example. The day of Matan Torah. A tremendous simcha for Hashem. But there were people to accept this Torah. So Klai Yisrael who were fortunate enough to do that. For the whole world. That now this Choskim. Who would have been unhappy? Hashem gave us the Torah. And yet we see. Firstly. This might be a different category. But the Malachim. Malachim were very upset. They had lost the Torah. They came with complaints. Why are you taking the Torah away from us? Not only that. Maybe it's, it's not that important to us. We receive the Torah. But the Gemara says that the whole world. All the other nations of the world were Bitsar. They lost, so to speak, their connection to the reward. Ahmad v. Tiran. They were detached from the opportunity to go in a So for them, the Israel received the Torah as a tremendous loss. It was a source of tremendous hatred. The Gemara says that sinner, the hatred of the non-Jews, the Jewish people came from Sinai. Because maybe on a subconscious level, the Goyim read us how much they lost when we got the Torah. So how is it possible? How is it possible that there will be a situation where a Kodesh Baruch Hu will wipe the tears of every face? How is it possible that there will be a possibility when everybody is happy? Now it's not just a theoretical question which we can speculate about. There's a second part to this question too. And that is as parents. So how is it possible to make a situation where we want to reward one of our children for exemplary efforts, for achievement? And it's not going to come at the expense of everybody else's feeling tired. And this is so important. Because it's true for the one who is the winner, the one who is successful, the one who deserves the praise and deserves the attention. So of course... You're doing a wonderful job of making them feel good. Of making them feel khashim. Of pushing them to try harder. But for everybody else who feels the tsar of always losing, so on the contrary, we're doing them a tremendous disservice. It's a, we're just providing a constant source of disappointment. And if we parents always make competitions who's going to win whatever, whatever field it's going to be, 
And we're setting ourselves up for a situation where there's one winner and lots of losers. And yes, we have to think about everybody. So it's true, it's a, it's a tremendous boost for the winner, but it's also, so to speak, an ongoing source of disappointment for the ones who don't win. How do you balance this issue? So let's look at another person. Bashes by Yishlach. When Yaakov Avinu, on his return journey, comes to Basel, Hashem introduced himself, Ani Kel Shakai. Kel Shakai. It's not the normal name which he gives for himself. And on that, Chazal said a very interesting drasha. Kel is a source of power. Shakai is from Lashon Sheh. That it's enough. So the juxtaposition of the two words literally means that's a, a power that's enough. What does that mean? So Chazal say just a short comment. In my being, Hashem, there's enough for every creation. What does that mean? So here we see you said. Here we see a principle, and that is, when does a person feel sadness at somebody else's success? When does a person feel disappointed when somebody else is happy? It's only in those areas where a person feels that he was competing for the same thing. It's only in those places where a person thinks their success should have come to me. And therefore, it's, I feel I lost something by the fact that they gained. If we refer to something where a person never felt any connection to, if it was something a person never felt was coming to him, had nothing to do with him, you wouldn't feel the tar. Because why, why, shouldn't, why, why would he have wanted it? What's it going to do with him? And if that's the case, it's true, you might not feel simcha for the other person, but he definitely won't feel tsar because the other person simcha. Let's give an example. If I would hear that some athlete won a gold at the Olympics, I wouldn't be moved to happiness, but I definitely wouldn't be moved to sadness. I don't think I'm an athletic uh, person. I don't, was never trying to compete for a gold. And if I don't feel I lost anything, by the fact that somebody else won it, it's only when I feel that it's in some way I wanted what that person got when I feel that Sarah didn't have it. When it came to the Shvatim. So of course, Rachel also wanted to have be a mother to the Shvatim. And the, the, she also knew they were only going to be 12. And therefore every child lay ahead, to some extent she felt was as lost to herself. To some extent she felt she was losing from that. So it's only natural she would feel Sarah. But, for somebody who had no connection, so the fact that they had another child would make no difference to them. It, was not, it didn't affect them in any possible way. Same thing. If it's something where we were both competing to win, and there's a winner and a loser, so I feel the loss of losing because I felt I could have been a winner. Something I never thought I could win, was never trying for, I wouldn't feel a loss if I didn't get it. Mr. Sharon explains in the Kiyos 
that this is the nature of the mid of jealousy. Jealousy stems from the fact that a person looks to what somebody else has and thinks it could have been mine. Whether it's in a physical sense, whether it's a house, whether it's the money, whether it's a position, or in a ruchni sense, whether it's the achievement, whether it's the atzlacha, whether it's the Torah. The, the killer in a person, the feeling of jealousy in a person is that could have been mine. And therefore the fact that somebody else got it and not me means I lost something which I think was I should have had. And that's the okay. case. There are two ways. There are two ways that that feeling can be eradicated. The one way is that there's enough for everybody. There's no lack. No one's jealous of the fact that somebody else breathed fresh air. You can do the same. In most cases, no one's jealous that somebody else had a cup of cold water. You can do the same. It's only something which somebody else had and I feel I couldn't have as a result of that that I feel that's how they had it. Yes, somebody else feels good, enjoy the cup of cold water on a hot day, and no one else is going to feel tired for that, even if they feel happiness, because it's not at my expense. This is a very true point. I want to give a marshal, I think it's true. People have told me in the past that they agree with me. Okay, you can make your own decision. But I'll say, if you, if you would go to a restaurant, the way it would bring you around the menu, you look through all the options, you can afford, you can choose whichever you want. So you go through the options, you find the one you like the best. Okay. How many people go around the restaurant looking jealously at everyone else's plates and thinking, wow, I should have had that, I should have had that. I've never, I would never imagine someone doing that. Because it was available to me. I, ch- I could have chosen anything that there was and I could have had either, any of them. I settled for the one I wanted. So why would I feel jealous of the fact that somebody else has something else? It's not coming at my expense. If it's enough for everybody, and even if it's something which gives simcha, it's not coming at my expense. It says that after David Melech brought down Kodesh Rishonayim, he sent away Klai Yisrael, and they all, the entire Jewish people went home, so Melech v'tayv happy. And that the Gemara says, that in every family a boy was born that year. An unbelievable amount of children. The whole Klai Yisrael, each family had a baby boy that year. Because that's how it's possible that everybody will be Semech v'tayv There's enough for everybody. And if everybody gets, then no one feels left out. Now, that's the first way. And Hashem says to Yaakov, Hashem is big enough to give everybody. No one has to feel that there's something that, there's something that someone else got is at their expense. Because Hashem can give them too. There's enough for everyone. That's the first verse. And therefore it's the same thing. One wants to reward the child who wants to give him something. If everyone's competing for the one item, there's only enough for one person to get, and therefore the one, the one who gets means everyone else loses. If there's enough for everybody, so no one feels left out when one gets because they can have to. 
Now, there's a second parasha also, and it's also true. And the second way to avoid the middle of Kina is to understand that what the other person got was something which was never negated to me. I gave the example before of the, the athletic who wins the gold medal. The athlete who wins the gold medal, which doesn't appeal, doesn't interest, definitely doesn't sadden somebody who wasn't trying to compete. And that is when a person sees, this is what I need and this is what I want, or the other person needs and wants, has nothing to do with me. It doesn't affect me in any way. Then there's nothing to feel sad about what they got because what they got was never something I was meant to get. It was never even really something I wanted to get. Now the middle of Kinah is real and therefore in an area where I think I want something, it's very hard for me to be able to see that and understand that. What the other person succeeded, which I really felt I, was onto, I wanted to have, the other person's position, which I really thought should have been mine, the other person's tzlacha, which really I would have loved, was never negated to me. That's why in this world, there's no pure happiness. But when people are able to see that each person got exactly what they needed for their tafkid, each person was given exactly what was right for them, the wife that they were, or husband they were given, the children they were given, the position they were put in, the money that was allocated to them, that was exactly the perfect thing for them. And any other option would have been disastrous. So if that's the case, you've built a situation where everybody can feel simcha, each one in their own achievement. Let's give an example. Imagine you have two friends. One has been married for years, the other one, a decade later, is still looking for a shirach. One has been married, never has not been blessed with children. Now imagine, Shem does this, he's sure for both of them. And on the same day, the one becomes a color, and the other one finds out that she's going to have a child. They're both going to be tremendously happy. Neither one will feel anything but simcha, even though what the other one got was different to what they got. Because each one got the Yeshua they were waiting for, which was so important to them at that stage in their life. And therefore, someone else's success in a different area doesn't affect them. And that's what the Rechal tells us, is the antidote to kinna. What the other person got was in a different dimension. It didn't affect me. It was never something that was negated to me anyway. Now, we've explained how therefore the Asad Lava Hashem will be able to make everybody feel happiness. People ask a question from the Gemara. The Gemara says, that Hashem will make each tzaddik chupa lechpi kvodin ganedin. And one of the facts that it says about the chupa is an ish. There's a fire in the chuppah. How would there be a fire in someone's chuppah in a person's canopy in Ganesi? And the Gemara asks the question, Eish b'chuppah lamay? And the Gemara answers, Malamet shako echad nichba mechopata shachavere. Everyone is burnt from his friend's chuppah. And the mashmos there is, as I seem to be, Harash explained it also, jealousy. A person has his own canopy, his own level, 
He is understanding, but he looks to see where his friend has. He sees that his friend has more, and he's going to feel that fire of, so to speak, I could have had that too. I should have had that too. Maybe it turns into self-blame. If I would have only tried harder, if I would have only been more careful. But either way around, it's a feeling of time. So how can that be? That Gan Eden will be built, and everyone will, have, on the one hand, have their enjoyment of what they achieved, and at the same time, be feeling tired. So I saw another Mishat Nekamara also, which will answer this question. And that is, it means everyone's Nechveh Mechapasah Shachavayroi. Yes, that's just like if you touch a fire, you would get burnt. Nashna Gemara Nechveh, if a person gets burnt from touching fire, and therefore the answer is, don't touch fire. It's the same thing over here. Everyone will get burnt from his friend's chuppah. It's not for me to touch. My friend's chuppah was his chuppah. It was meant for him. And if I'm trying to look out of, so to speak, my own zone, and try and see my friend's chuppah and take from that, I'll get burnt by it. It wasn't what was meant for me. Now, how does this translate into Chinuch? The later say, well, what not to do is quite evident. Don't make a situation which is competitive. Because you're making one winner and lots of losers. Don't make a situation where everybody feels bad about the one who was successful. If you make, a, so to speak, a prize for the one who acts well, then that's going to be a source of tzar to everybody else. Or oh, in the case of the Shvatim, it's going to cause jealousy. And as the Gemara tells us, look where the jealousy led to. So that's the case, what can you do? Either you have to make a competition, like the Gemara says, in Pesachim, about a certain man who wanted to shake the Korban Pesach, all his children and they say I'm shaking the pace of whoever comes first and the end of the, mind, in the, end of the day he had in mind for everybody but there's a certain oh, who, who was the one to come first in other words if a person does want to be competitive at least he should first be, or make, a, make a situation of competition at least he should be in the first category there's enough for everybody if that's the case, it's true there will still be a certain amount of the winner gets first and the one who doesn't win loses the prestige or feels the loss of, so to speak, the, the success of winning. It's not great. But at least it shouldn't be the, the, the complete, complete feeling of loss. They still get something. They maybe got the same thing second. Like I said, it's not perfect, but at least it's better than there's only one guy. And therefore, whoever doesn't get, loses completely. There's a second option also. And that is, if the challenge is crafted to each person individually, based on what he needs to work on, or he needs to accomplish. And therefore, for each child, they're not competing against each other. Each one has their own, so to speak, competition laid out for them. And the aslacha isn't coming at somebody else's, at someone else's loss, someone else's failure. For example, if there's one child that I think I should 
he needs to, he's able or she's able to learn Chomish better. There's a second child that feels able to work on a certain middle. There's a third younger child who's able to go to sleep at night without making a noise, whatever it's going to be. Now, the fact that I reward the younger child for going to sleep quietly isn't going to come as a loss for the older child. That wasn't their challenge. It wasn't. They weren't in the same league. They weren't fighting for the same reward. If a person wants to make challenges, wants to be competitive, the way to do it is to make each person compete on their own playing field. Like we said, Shaddai Belakos Lekol Nivra. There are many ways to reach Hashem. That's something which is open to everybody. In fact, one person through more avoid, one person through more tefillah, one person through more tire, one person through more chesed, one person through more tzniyas. They're all, they're all roads which reach Shemayim. And even within one field, the Torah is a vast field. The fact that one person is a Talmud Chacham doesn't preclude someone else from being a Talmud Chacham too. It's big enough for everybody. And you said you wanted to speak about is how fermenting jealousy is tremendously destructive. Something was so bad that even Chazal found objection with the others on this point. But if you understand what causes jealousy, you understand how it's possible to avoid it. And then we get both benefits. On the one side, giving each child the feeling of accomplishment, the happiness and satisfaction of, re- of receiving a reward, but at the same time not at the expense of everybody else who's going to feel that they were the losers. We want everybody to be a winner.